are listening to Episode 5 of Season 3 of Partnerships and Possibilities. In this episode, Learning Lean, Part 1. Hi, I'm Sharon. And I'm Diana. And we're going to be talking about leadership in organizations. Leadership in organization happens at all levels and takes many forms. Diana, I thought it might be an interesting idea today to spend some time talking about lean. Uh, I've noticed that there have been any number of books coming out lately, um, any number of articles, um, especially in HBR, about lean and lean startups and lean startups yeah. and um, that's something that you're very familiar with in the world you operate in yeah. so maybe a way to do this would be for you to um, give our listeners an overview of some of the thinking behind lean and then maybe I'll probe a little bit and ask you some questions because right. this is not an area that I'm terribly familiar yeah. with myself. Right. Well, and we don't want to do a whole course on lean. No, 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 so, no. <laughs> so um, the lean and lean startups are two different though related concepts. Okay. And what HBR has been writing about most recently mm -hmm. is the lean startup conversation which was kind of was generated by uh, Steve Blank and uh, Stephen Blank and Eric Reese down in the San Francisco Bay Area and originally started out as a way to think about how to do startups right how to do a startup without having to invest two years and then crashing and burning because so many startups don't make it. And mm -hmm. so that this mm -hmm. was an idea about how, what is it that startup, people who are involved in startups really need to get good at in order to know whether they should continue to invest their time, energy, and money in their idea. And so it, it really has two parts, um, or two streams of thought. One stream is really understanding what, who your customer is and what they want and what they're willing to pay for and what they're going to buy. And that's all called customer discovery or, or customer development. Mm -hmm. And so that's, um, well, that's one parallel thread. And it, and it has sort of four parts to it. There's discovery initially. Uh, who, who is our customer? Do we even have one? <laughs> and then it goes on from there to say, okay, if these folks are our customers, what is it that they really want and what will they pay for? Which has I, to do... I can't... I, I, when you said that, I couldn't help but flash back to a time when we were working for someone who will yeah. remain nameless when they came to the conclusion after many hours that they were their own customers. Yeah. And you and I stood there and thought, like, <laughs> what have we done wrong here? Yeah. How does... How do the transactions work here? Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's, that's, that's one stream. And then as you, uh, at the same time or in parallel, as you are developing those ideas or getting that information about who your customers are and what they want, you use agile techniques, specifically the engineering practices and things that allow for very rapid turnaround and very rapid feedback to begin to build your product 
so that, or your website or whatever it might be, your service, so that you can be checking in constantly with your customers. Is this the right thing? Is this the right thing? Did you want it to do this? Did you want it to do this? And you've got something to show them all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, I've actually been involved in a couple of efforts around um, using lean techniques to do a startup. Both of them we decided not to go forward with mm -hmm. because we were using these processes and we discovered, well, we, it was a pretty nifty idea. We thought that we had, but there really wasn't a customer base that we could connect mm -hmm. with. And so it didn't warrant us to continue to put our mm -hmm. effort into mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So that's, in a nutshell, that's Lean right. Startup. I mean, tiny, a tiny little nutshell, pistachio right. nutshell. Right. Um, lean, on the other hand, is... Uh, a much m m older concept. Mm -hmm. It's been around for much longer. Lean Startup just came on the scene in like 2005, 2006, maybe later even. Hasn't been around very long. Um, Lean, on the other hand, grew out of the Toyota production system, total quality movements, Six Sigma, all of those things are right. all related to where we are with Lean today, which started out as a manufacturing process mm -hmm. uh, with Toyota Production System and ended up, or at, and at current state, it became also a Lean product development process, and that's where it relates to the Lean startup. And then, um, and then Lean software development most recently um, has become a part of that that longer-term effort, and Lean IT is now a part of that longer-term effort, which has to do primarily with the sort of twin towers, and I'm sure Lean aficionados will say I'm being much too shallow about this, and so I, I recognize that, but just to move the conversation forward, the twin towers of uh, eliminating waste and focusing on customer value. So, Back when, when we were having those conversations with that customer or with that, that client that you mm -hmm, recommended, mm -hmm. one of the things that we did, we did something called a value chain analysis, right? right? right. Well, now they call that value stream. Right. And it's, it's mapping how, how, our, how is every step along the way adding to the thing that the customer values and that's what's primary. Right. And then how do we eliminate the waste in that process so we can get the customer what they value as quickly as possible and of course then get the financial return on that, right? I mean, that's the whole point of that part. So that's, those are the two things in, you know, in short and, and they really are kind of aligned but very different in my mind. But I know that Le that the Harvard Business Review has been uh, really focusing on a lot of the lean startup stuff. And what's interesting about it is that in addition to being applied for a startup methodology or approach to doing startups, people are starting to talk about like like they do wanting like every new idea that comes along, where else can we apply this? Where else can we apply that? And starting to look at kind of intrapreneurial efforts, you know, how do we do lean startup within our company? And that's where it starts linking up our existing company, right? 
And that's where it starts linking up with more, even more with Agile as well. So. Well, so what strikes me about what you're saying um, is that um, there are certain threads that come through this that mm -hmm. are um, um, the same threads yeah. that have been emphasized in every um, every way of thinking about work design yes. that we've ever known about, which yeah. have to do with being closer to and more accessible to and more influenced by the voice of the customer, yes. um, by um, having the flexibility to adapt and adjust as you move along instead of deciding at the beginning, this is how I will do X. Right. And then until you get to the very end, right. you keep marching along with no adjustment. Right. Um, yeah, Kaizen, uh, Kaizen, the mm -hmm. idea of Kaizen, continuous improvement, right. comes out of lean. Right. right. So you have to be constantly examining, right. otherwise how can you continuously improve, right? Right, right, right. So yes, all that adaptive, that adaptive, building that adaptive capacity in your organization is very much about lean. And in lean startup, the adaptiveness, because the idea is you're doing this at the beginning of a effort. Mm -hmm. The adaptiveness mm -hmm. is um, adapting to what the customer needs. Whereas later on, as things get further along, there's more adapting to, you know, what well, Agile talks about removing impediments. Mm -hmm. um, Lean talks about eliminating waste. Those things start coming into play as the effort becomes more mature. So what happens to somebody who has an idea for a product, an organization, whatever, who goes to the more traditional funding sources and says, I have this idea, but I'm gonna do a lean startup, and I don't really have a business plan yet, because mm -hmm. if you follow that logic, um, somebody who, who's got an idea really has um, wouldn't have a, 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 a right. business plan. They would only have some kind of notion. How do they get funding? They don't. And that's the thing. People who just have an idea don't get funding in, in any in using any methodology, right? You have to be able it, for for, I mean, now there's all these levels. There's the angel funders and the seed funders and the, you know. But every one of those levels wants to see some demonstration of evidence that there is a market for this. And that's why the lean startup ideas become important because rather than putting two years of development into something and then rolling it out to see if you've got a market, the idea is that you are doing all this customer development, you're doing this discovery, you're, you're testing all the time, what they call A-B testing. You know, you like this better, you like this better. That's the, like when you go to the optometrist, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> does this look better or does that look better? Right. Uh, A-B testing, right? Yeah. And so there's all these, all these mechanisms for uh, checking out what is it that you're I mean, you have to, 
and at first you have to make a guess. Right. So you have a hypothesis. You have a hypothesis. And so then you're testing your hypothesis all the way along. Mm -hmm. So in the, in the startup that I was mentioning earlier, we had a hypothesis that um, agile teams would really like this product that we were making. Mm -hmm. And in the end, we discovered that if there was a market for it at all... <laughs> The market actually wasn't the team members, but more the product owners and the marketing part. And, and so that, that would have caused us in, in Lean Startup Lingo to do a pivot. We would have changed the product to more reflect the needs of those product owners rather than the needs of a team, which is where we thought mm -hmm. we were going to be to begin with. Mm -hmm. But we only did that by building a little bit, showing it to some people, checking, seeing what they, how they responded, what they liked, what they didn't like about it, building a little bit more based on that feedback, doing the same thing, doing the same thing. And then we just discovered that, you know, we're not exact, we weren't exactly sure why, but either teams didn't have funding for, to purchase such a thing or didn't really care or the company infrastructure got in the way of them really needing to use this product but it was really much more appropriate for a product owner or a stakeholder group to use. So so if we wanted to develop that market mm -hmm. then we would have had to make some changes and go in a different direction. So it's, it's that process of sort of is it this, is it that, do you want it, no you want it, well what does that mean? And just asking all those questions, coming up with new hypotheses, and so on. We called it um, minimum viable hypothesis mm -hmm. <laughs> that we would that we would then go and check out. Mm -hmm. Actually, interview people, show people prototypes. Sure. Paper, either real prototype, either like real product kind of things, or even paper prototypes. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, what? Uh, organizations or types of products have you seen that have used this methodology to get going and done it successfully? Well, I won't pretend that I have seen all of them that have. Sure, but sure. I have seen uh, web-based services. Um, I have seen um, app actual software applications that you like an app that you might put on your phone uh -huh, or uh -huh. you know, a mobile app I have seen um, some products um, actual tangible products I'm trying to think um, right off the bat of one I mean I tend to be more in the software world so that's what I see the most of right but uh, I have also read and heard about those kinds of products so um, it's pretty much anything that you can, you can make a product, mm -hmm. you can do this with. Mm -hmm. uh, it tends to lend itself more to things that are heavily centered on the web, but gosh, what isn't now? So, um, that's one kind of knowledge work. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I'm wondering if we could 
visualize how how some of those ideas might be applied to other kinds of knowledge work. Right. Well, and you know, it's it. You know, when you've got a startup that's two or three or four or six people, mm-hmm. right? I mean, six is a big startup these days, right? Most are a couple of people, sure. maybe three. Um, for a long time, for the first couple of years, that you know, it it's an interesting kind of shared leadership issue, right? I mean, everybody tends to be mostly a peer. They're all the founders. There might be a couple of founders and one or two other folks that are right. working for the company. Right. But, but um, you know, the leadership issues there have to do with decision-making, who makes which decisions, and uh, personality. Can we all get along? You know, can we all do work together effectively? Mm-hmm. I think when you when you start applying this to other kinds of instances, other than a, a real honest to goodness startup, where which is what some folks are talking about now, it's like, well, so how do we bring this? How do we bring these kinds of ideas into the organization? How can they be effective in the enterprise? Well. Then, you know, if if you've got a skunk works or something like that is where you would think about using this sort of thing, um, there are leadership issues associated with that, right? You've got to protect this effort from the rest of the organization so that it can it can do what it needs to do to to make and test its hypotheses and and the idea is to fail fast. Right. So if you're not going to take something forward, you want to test it out, ditch it, pick up another one. Well, the rest of the organization may or may not understand right. that. Right. 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 And so there's a there's uh, there's a role for leaders there in protecting that. So I think a lot of the the ways in which an, an internal kind of lean startup effort um would need to run is very similar to the kinds of leadership things that we talk about for the focused on the customer, uh, continuous improving, you know, kinds of things that we've talked about in past podcasts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, that, it's still that same kind of style of leadership, only maybe with even more emphasis on protecting the effort from the rest of the organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not letting the bureaucracy weigh it down so much that it can't be nimble. Right, right, right. And and not only the leadership in that situation, but also yeah. the 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 players need right. to have, I think, a particular um, uh, degree of nimbleness and yeah. agility. Um, to be able to live with that kind of ambiguity um, and that kind of change. And that kind of transparency. Everybody you're working with can see what you're doing. I mean, you have to have it that way. You've got to be seeking feedback from all quarters all the time. Right. Which means you've got to be showing them everything that's going on. Right. And, um, and, you know, I know in some of the, the places where we've, worked with work redesign in the past, um, 
you know, there were people whose whole purpose in life was to be the sole channel for a certain type of information, um, you know, and they were the only ones you could get that from, that vital information right. from, whether it had to do with access to a database or what a particular group of customers wanted right. or, right. you know, whatever that right. might be or, right. or um, uh, measurement data coming back right. from, from equipment or something. And, um, you know, there just really isn't room for that. You know, that kind of knowledge work bottleneck. Mm-hmm. which is, you know, can be very similar to mm-hmm. a manufacturing floor bottleneck mm-hmm. in that sense, mm-hmm. and that things pile up behind it and, you know, very, well, you know, right. get and, through. And, and that relates to some of the discussion we had last week about, in essence, uh, the star performer right. or, the, or the prima donna. Um, right. You know, those can also be variations of that as well. Yeah, that, yeah. If they become a bottleneck, right, then that that just doesn't work. So right. anybody who's invested mm-hmm. in, um, I want to be the only one who has this, and that's how I'm going to maintain my power, mm-hmm. my personal power, my professional power in this organization. That's going to be a, a a very difficult stance to maintain if you're trying to do something that requires agility and nimbleness and kind of a lean startup kind of mode. Right, right, right. So there really isn't going to be as much of a place for folks who work in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know... Or who folks who need a lot of leadership from other folks, from, from you know, uh, titled positioned mm-hmm. folks um, mm-hmm. if 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 I'm a person who um, is not comfortable making some of my own decisions on the fly which I you know are in a, I find those people in a lot of organizations of course. and they've been taught to be that way of course. I mean they didn't start that way as babies I would no, say they, but they, they, they learned and that. when they tried to step out yeah, the chances are they got their hand slapped, and so At they some, learned. And so they learned not to. Right, but exactly. now that habituated behavior mm-hmm. will get in their way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In in this kind of uh, this organizational kind of framework, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. You know that reminds me of something else that I was reading recently about the um, the difficulties uh, that organizations are having about finding the kind of knowledge workers that they need. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've had lots of discussions in the past about um, the shortage of, of people in the software oh, arena. Sure. Yeah. But, but it's showing up now in other places. Yes. Um, so that as, in particular, the boomers are retiring and uh, the, there's a need for people with um, more legal knowledge, more um, medical technology knowledge, you know, certain fields in particular, that organizations are really struggling to staff those positions. Mm -hmm. Um, And and how much of that are you seeing with the people you're working with now? Absolutely, a lot. I mean, every organization I go into these days, one of the questions that I get asked is, "How do we find the people we need?" Mm-hmm. I mean, it and even 
how do we find the people we need to coach the people that we don't have yet that we know we're going to need to bring right, in, right, right. that we're having right. trouble finding. I mean, there's like multi-levels of this. So it's not only that there are not, that there's this paucity of people who can work in the science, technology, engineering, mathematics, we call STEM mm-hmm. fields. Right. But also um, people who can kind of bridge the gap between those folks and other parts of the organization. Stay tuned for part two of Learning Lean in next week's episode. In the meanwhile, please leave your comments on our blog or email us, leadershippodcast at gmail.com. This has been Partnerships and Possibilities, Episode 5. Thanks for listening.